Alrighty, News Talk 1110, 99.3 WBT, The Pete Callender Show. I'm The Pete. This is Hour 3, 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. You can email Pete at thepetecallendershow.com. And remember, get the podcast. It's totally free. It's actually three different podcasts, one for each hour. They come right to your phone after each hour is completed. So uh, commercial-free, right to your smartphone or tablet. And then you get all sorts of links to other hosts and other recommendations. I'm telling you, once you get into the podcast realm, like you're gonna you're gonna find it very, very user intuitive. Let's say, all right. Go to wbt.com and uh, find the podcast there. So, in the last hour, I was going over before I was so rudely interrupted by the president of the United States talking about you know World War Three. Um, I was talking about the McClatchy editorial boards. Uh, write up on how the Republican Party created extremists like Madison Cawthorn, who was like 24 years old when he first ran for Congress, but the party created him. And then now this is who the party is, and it's just basically all extremists. Everybody in the GOP is extremists, except, of course, the people that are not happy about this, but they don't really kind of flesh that out except to say civil war inside the GOP because it's always a civil war, but it's never a civil war on the Democratic side. It's always Democrats in disarray. And by the way, Democratic voters and lefties are very sensitive to that uh, particular narrative on their side. So that McClatchy editorial, as is often the case in newspaper land, works hand in glove with a big write-up by Danielle Battaglia and Will Wright, two reporters for McClatchy that had a story Madison Cawthorn and Mark Robinson are the new faces of the North Carolina GOP. Are they its future? Who, by the way, who who is the one who deems them to be the faces of the GOP? How do, how do you get that gig? And I'm not talking about the gig of being the face. I'm saying, how do you get the gig to make somebody the face of the GOP? Is it a self-made thing? Is it because they raise a bunch of money? Who raises the most amount of money? Why isn't Tom Tillis the face of the GOP? And I know people are like, oh, Tom Tillis. Whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. There's actually something there, though. There's actually something to that. Think about it. I say Tom Tillis and a bunch of conservatives, Republicans, they kind of roll their eyes. Why? Because they're not happy with Tom Tillis. But there are a lot of people who are happy with Tom Tillis, right? He won re-election. How come he's not the face of the GOP? He won a statewide race just like the lieutenant governor did. How come he's not the face of the GOP? How does one become the face of the GOP? If not, maybe without some help from media. Elections are about what media make them. I've given the example before because it is the quintessential example. It was Romney v. Obama. Obama's running for re-election under the worst economic uh, metrics ever a sitting president has ever had. And generally, historically, those numbers were so bad that every other president that tried re-election under them lost. And Obama won. Mitt Romney made every campaign appearance about the economy. You know what the media made the election about? Binders of women, dogs on cars, forcible hair uh, haircuts. And killing Big Bird, right? Oh, and the 47%, which, by the way, was true. It still is. Romney was talking about how 
you have half of the country that they will not vote for a Republican. You have another half of the country that will not vote for a Democrat. That has been true for a very long time, but I'm supposed to be outraged that a politician knows electoral demographics and voting habits. But that's what they made that election into. And the Romney camp was super frustrated the entire campaign season. Now, maybe Romney could have done a better job, but that's what the media wanted to focus on. Stupid crap. And that's what we got. But now they say, oh, I'm just, you know, we're just here covering the historical record. We're not involved in any of this whatsoever. So the headline is Madison Cawthorn and Mark Robbins sort of the new faces of the North Carolina GOP. Are they its future? No. And so now we have a speculative report predicting the future of a political organization, its philosophy and its adherence that the authors, I don't think, completely understand. Seriously, I'm not so sure the people who took this seven page deep dive into Madison Cawthorn and Mark Robinson and whether or not they're the future of the party. First off, if you can tell the future, you need to get out of the newspaper business and you need to make a bunch of money and um, maybe get into a position of real power so you can avoid, you know, it's like the would you kill baby Hitler thing. If you could tell the future, my God, put those those skills, that that, that gift to a better service than writing stories that are completely speculative in nature about the North Carolina Republican Party's future. Seriously. They write that since the 2020 election, two of North Carolina's newest politicians have become known for their unrestrained rhetoric. Their comments have electrified many in their conservative base while alienating other Republicans. But as similar as they are, Cawthorn and Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson appear to be on different courses. See, it's very much in line with so like the editorial board basically read this story and then commented and reacted and they're just going to have opinions about what the reporters reported on here. Robinson appears to be on a different course. Cawthorn increasingly is on the outs with more mainstream leaders in his party. Robinson is winning their approval or at least their silence. They go on to say some Republican officials have ignored or downplayed Cawthorn and uh, Cawthorns and Robinson's controversial comments, as many tried to do for former President Donald Trump. Again, here's the game, D or D, defend or disavow. In an interview with the North Carolina GOP chairman, Michael Watley talked about the party's future, but declined to specifically address Cawthorn and Robinson's issues. And the state Senate leader, Phil Berger, who we were told like just a year ago that he was like the most powerful Republican uh, in the state, but not, I guess, the face of the GOP. Anyway, he th- his office declined to comment for the article as well. Why won't you play D or D with me? Because there's, there's no way for Republicans to win on that. That's the point of the game, by the way, in case you were unaware. Republicans don't win by playing this game, a game that I would also point out Democrats are never asked to play either, unless like every now and again by the North State Journal or Carolina Journal. That's it. But the mainstream outlets, they never go and say, hey, your member said something really stupid. Do you defend or disavow that? And then hold them to an answer, try to get an answer out of them, and then go hit up a whole bunch of other people about their comments. Again, this is one of the rules of journalisming. Not journalism, but journalisming. It's different. One of the rules. When the scandal is about a Republican, the story is the scandal. And when the scandal is about a Democrat, the story is about the Republican reaction to the scandal. 
usually in the form of pouncing and seizing. News Talk 1110-993-WBT, 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. There was a huge story taking a stab at guessing the future of the North Carolina GOP and whether Madison Cawthorn and Mark Robinson are the new faces and future. Well, they say they are the new faces, but are they its future? And nobody knows the future, by the way, so the answer is nobody knows. That's the answer to the headline question, which usually is the case. By the way, it's an old rule of thumb that when the headline asks a question, usually the answer is no. Former state Supreme Court Justice Bob Orr, who is the go-to quote guy when you need a Republican to trash Republicans, um, he said Republican consultants and advisors are likely telling candidates, there it is again, speculation. Bob Orr doesn't know that. He doesn't know that. He says, oh, they're probably telling candidates, they're likely telling candidates and elected officials not to say anything negative about what Cawthorn, Robinson, or Trump say because it could anger their supporters and cost them an election. Wait, so you're saying that dividing the party might have a downside before an election? Gosh, really? That is some astute election consultant work right there. Unfortunately, in this country, hate sells, Orr said. Hate and anger and prejudice motivates a a portion of the voting folk, and the Republican Party is afraid to lose that segment of its base by coming out and repudiating it. it. In the end, the party lost or, I don't want to be associated with it, he said. He changed his voter registration to unaffiliated. I don't want my obituary to read, lifelong Republican. Uh, So then they go on to say, they quote, and then they... And they detail, oh, this is what Robinson said, and this is what Cawthorn said. Aren't they terrible? And then, why are Republicans so silent? It wasn't until recently that Republicans began to speak out against Cawthorn. So, I don't know. Okay, I will do this. In the interest of, because you know me, I am a giver, and I am all about solutions. So here, if you would like an opinion of someone that is not Bob Orr about these kinds of issues, I am happy to provide you a a comment. I'd be more than happy to give you a quote just to make your product better here. Because for example, I could have offered some experience because I was actually in Western North Carolina when Madison Cawthorn's rise to fame began all of three years ago, two years ago. I was there. I've interviewed the guy. I've talked with him. I've talked with people who know him, childhood friends, people in the homeschool community. And uh, the reason why people gave him a lot of latitude, you know why? Because he was young, he was inexperienced, and he was a fighter. He didn't put up with the crap that a lot of other people would put up with. And that's what people liked about him. And in the mountains, that sort of, that goes a long way. People like the fighter. There's a bit of a stereotype, I'm not sure you're aware of this, that folks in the mountains are perfectly capable and willing of handling things, okay? And I can tell you, that is largely true. So, they're demanding down in the Piedmont that the Western folks play the D or D game. You better play D or D, and you better play it as soon as they ask you to. As soon as they demand you to play, defend or disavow, you better hop to, and you better play that game. And what Cawthorn and others, they rejected. That's 
part of the deal. But he is also young. And this is what a lot of people, they said, look, we don't want Linda Bennett. Linda Bennett had baggage. They didn't like the way that uh, that process happened with this sort of stiff arming other candidates and this play to make her the, uh, the, the anointed. They didn't like it. Cawthorn was a local kid. People knew him. And he was handsome. And you may not like it, but handsome candidates do better. I'm sorry. Pretty candidates do better. More attractive people do better in politics. I'm sorry. That's the case. People, I, I heard it all over the place. Now, once he got in and then he starts having, you know, all of these issues pop up like every single day, it becomes exhausting. For an example, see Donald Trump. And a lot of people get tired of having to play the D or D game. Let me jump over here to Jimmy. Hello, Jimmy. Welcome to the show. What's going on? Hey. Hey. Um, that's how I determine now if I vote for a candidate. If the media just downright hates them, uh, just, you know, the whole apologizing and all that, that, that this one got so old. Uh, if, they, 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 if the media hates them, I vote for them. <laughs> So you're a single-issue voter, and that single issue is who the media attacks. Exactly. Yeah, well, that's one way to do it, I guess. Jimmy, thanks for the call. I guess, I, Yeah, look, I'm not a, I am not a single-issue voter. I don't knock people who are. You know, people have, again, I'm in all of the above. I'm a libertarian. I'm a live-and-let-live live kind of a guy. If you want to vote based on a single issue, go for it. I don't do that, and I'm not going to chastise people for, you know, the way they decide who to vote for. Well, except for the attractiveness thing like that kind of ticks me off. Um, and it doesn't even tick me off. It, it's just, it's unfortunate, but I recognize that that's the case. There's probably like some DNA stuff happening there. Some instinctive stuff, tall people as well. Did you know that the taller you are as a candidate, the more likely you are to win. I don't know why, but also taller people, there is tall privilege and, and uh, beauty privilege in our society and has been for a very long time. So, Maybe we should get some sort of uh, equity treatment for that sort of thing. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Going over this piece at the... uh, McClatchy Papers, Charlotte Observer. It's a piece written by Danielle Battaglia and Will Wright. It's called Madison Cawthorn and Mark Robinson are the new faces of the North Carolina GOP. Are they its future? Um, there's a quote in here from Brent Woodcox, who is the uh, senior policy counsel lawyer for uh, State Senator Phil Berger, the president pro tem, who was like a year or so ago called like the most powerful man in North Carolina politics, but uh, I guess he's not a face of the GOP. At any rate, Brent Woodcock says, it was Ronald Reagan who said the 11th commandment is not to criticize your fellow Republicans. I think that there are some people who adhere to that, even in an age where maybe some of the fringier elements of the party seem to be further from the mainstream and further, quite frankly, from reality than maybe you would have seen in the past. This gets back to what I said earlier, though, about the bomb throwers. See, the media would very much like the bomb throwers to be the face of the party because the bomb throwers throw bombs. And it's easy. It's easy to use them and criticize them and say, aren't they stupid? Aren't they violent? Aren't they extreme? But the media could also, instead of running every time to Bob Orr, they could go to people like Patrick McHenry. They can go to people like Tim Moore. 
Oh, which they did, actually. Moore said the silence has more to do with how little the party cares about what Cawthorn is doing. He said, quote, he just doesn't consume anybody's time because really when it comes down to an elected office, anybody can yell and say stupid stuff. And Tim Moore is exactly right. Bomb throwing doesn't get stuff done, generally speaking. It doesn't. Now, there are a lot of people that want that to happen. Look, I encountered this same thing, same sort of thing. I will have over the years, like, for example, Madis, uh, Madeline Albright. She just passed away. Rest in peace. I interviewed Madeline Albright years ago, and I got people calling in, yelling at me for interviewing her and not calling her the worst names imaginable. How dare you let her off the hook? You should have called her an SOB, blah, blah. And usually my response to that is, first off, that's not my interview style, but also I asked her tough questions, but you don't have to be a jerk when you do. And because if you are a jerk when you ask the questions, then usually nobody wants to come back and answer any other questions. But also people criticize me from the left as well. And they say that, oh, you've got Tim Moore on and uh, uh, and Tim Moore says this. And, and I can tell, like, listen to what he just said. He said blah, blah, blah. And that means whatever. And people think this is the most amazing thing I've encountered. People believe that the thing that they understand is un, is completely ununderstandable for everybody else. That they alone were able to decipher that the politician was dodging the question. They alone heard that he didn't answer that question. Oh, did you hear what he said? That's kind of silly. Oh, my gosh, I can't believe he said that. And then they're mad that I didn't say, oh, my God, I can't believe you said that. When, in fact, I don't have to say that. You heard what he said. You judge it for yourself, right? Why, why do you need me to tell you what to think? I don't need to do that. I'm just going to give you the story. I'm going to give you the information. So this is the story uh, from the News and Observer and Charlotte Observer, where they quote Tim Moore saying, I'm saying with all due respect to Mr. Cawthorn, I don't think he's really interested in advancing any meaningful policy to help this state or this nation. Right? That's the dividing line. Tim Moore is exactly right. That's the dividing line. But the party needs both types of politicians. They do. Otherwise, what do you end up? Think about it. If everybody's a policy wonk on the Republican side, does that exactly inspire and motivate? No. No, it doesn't. Just like on the left. It's the same thing in the Democratic Party. I'm sure we'll be treated to the big story about who's the new face and the future of the North Carolina Democratic Party. I'm sure it'll be, yeah, I'm sure it'll be just as good. Joe Simmons, a candidate for Cherokee County Commissioner, said he was a Cawthorn supporter, but now he's not so sure. Quote, he got my attention when he started running for our district and got my vote. I'm not so much worried about the controversial side. I just, it just kind of comes down to, I've had trouble kind of figuring out how much representation that we get on this end of the district. And this is the key. Politics is local. Even if to a lesser extent nowadays, but it is still local. Constituent services matter. And people don't appreciate having a Congress member go to D.C. and never get anything done. Cherokee is the westernmost county in North Carolina. It's more than two hours from Cawthorn's hometown. Simmons said Cawthorn doesn't make many trips to Cherokee, and that's been a point of consternation. By the way, I heard the same thing about Pat McCory. Folks out west, you don't understand. Folks out west in in western North Carolina 
are legitimately, I'm not saying this is, it's an illegitimate feeling. They are legitimately mad that they get ignored by all the rest of the state. And so if it's their own member of Congress, you damn right, they're going to be mad. I think that's actually a bigger problem for Cawthorn than any of the bomb throwing. He says here in our county, that's just been the general attitude. Nobody really had a problem getting behind him. And then it just felt like we've been left alone on this end of the district. Other folks I talked to about it kind of feel the same. And that's a big deal, especially when Cawthorn tried to run in the other district. When he said he was going to move east uh, uh, more to the east and run in that district that was created ostensibly for Tim Moore, that sends the signal back home that he's that he's getting out. And then there was this from the Canton mayor, Zeb Smathers. He's a Democrat, but he said his constituents don't like grandstanding. This is another element of Appalachian culture, which is uh, you get too big for your britches. Do not underestimate that element going on out West. When people think that you got too big for your britches, they love nothing better, better than to knock you down a little bit. And that is a, that is a very real part of the, culture in Appalachia. Don't take my word for it. J.D. Vance wrote about it in his book, Hillbilly Elegy. And it is not solely uh, a hallmark of that culture. Uh, Other cultures in America, other parts of the country, uh, share similar things. This is the crabs in a bucket analogy where, you know, you put a bunch of crabs in a bucket and they could use each other and climb out and help each other, but they don't. As soon as one crab starts to get out, they all reach up and bring them back down. It's a very real human thing. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. I'm, I'm not even going to be able to have time to get to the, uh, the full story on Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson's supposed hypocrisy. The left is all in that on... on we, I went over this yesterday. Robinson, they went and found... Uh, some Facebook comments that he made back in 2012, so 10 years ago, where he was arguing against abortion, saying that he had paid for an abortion of his own child years years ago, 1989, he said, and that that was wrong. And the left is all over him. They're all piling on about it. So I'm not even going to be able to get to that today because I only got like eight minutes here, but not even six minutes, but... um. This is the second story about Robinson within a week, plus the editorial. So you can tell, look, you can tell who the left is afraid of. If you're not taking flack, you're not over the target, right? And by the way, sometimes you take flack just because your own people don't like you, right? Anyway, so it's not always the case, okay? Sometimes the flack is deserved. And sometimes you take flack from your own people because you're making them insecure. You're a risk to them. And that's what Cawthorn is running into, where people are now starting to wonder if he is more of a liability than a benefit. Is the juice worth the squeeze? And a lot of people, again, nobody asked me at the uh, News and Observer or the, uh, the editorial board or the writers, nobody asked me, but I can tell you, that a lot of folks out in the Western District, they liked Madison Cawthorn at first. They were willing to give him a shot. And they really didn't like Linda Bennett, uh, who was the Republican. And they really did not like Mo Davis, who had, you know, th- this death fetish 
fantasizing on social media about stomping on Republican voters' necks and crushing them until you hear the sharp snap against your heel. Yeah, that's what he would write about, this death porn stuff. Uh, Yeah, so he was kind of nuts, and so people really didn't want Mo Davis. So people were like, let's go ahead and uh, we'll vote for Cawthorn. He's a young, attractive kid. Hopefully, fingers crossed, he learns. Hopefully, he matures. But this has always been a uh, proof-of-concept phase, if you will. It's always been a test run. It's been like, let's see how he does. Yes, he's learning on the job. He's going to make mistakes. Absolutely. And I think to a large extent, people were willing to give him room to make some mistakes. But at some point, there, there are too many mistakes, right? <laughs> at some point, you can't, it's just not working out. And maybe that's now. Maybe that's what happens now. It's only a two-year term. In other words, this is exactly how the system is supposed to work. Gosh, the founders were brilliant. Two-year cycles for the House of Representatives. Back to the article. While pushback hasn't always been obvious, Larry Shaheen, Charlotte political consultant, said this kind of pushback, it is going on behind the scenes. He said few of Cawthorn's colleagues ever take up for him. He also said to look at the high number of Republicans who chose to run against Cawthorn in the upcoming primary. Now, yes, in general, that is true, but also it's a very weird dynamic because a lot of them had signed up to run and then the districts got redrawn and Cawthorn had to go back. But then they have quotes from State Senator Chuck Edwards, one of Cawthorn's opponents in the primary. Um, He said uh, that people in Western North Carolina are tired of politicians that are seeking stardom. Cawthorn also faces the former 11th District Chairwoman, so that's a party title, Michelle Woodhouse. Once one of his fiercest supporters, she said Cawthorn has closed three constituent uh, services offices in Macon and Yancey counties and seems to be more concerned with his Instagram account than legislating in Washington. Quote, the people of Western North Carolina have felt abandoned. Cawthorn backed Woodhouse to succeed him before he changed his mind and switched districts when the new maps came out. Woodhouse did not step aside when he returned and criticized his change of heart. Now, Robinson is different. Robinson, this is what Larry Shaheen confirmed, that donors are threatening to pull funding from the state party if he doesn't tone down his comments. Because he's been going to churches, he's been, and he has a background, Robinson has been doing some preaching and stuff uh, in the past, I think, few years, And he is a very dynamic speaker. But with, you know, great talent comes great responsibility as well. I mean, I should know. No, I'm kidding. I don't have either. The uh, it's just (laughs) it's just donors. It's national folks saying uh, he says it's not just donors. It's the national folks saying shut up. This is the thing. People want. Republicans want a Mark Robinson so much. And a lot of people do, a lot of the, the, particularly the Christian evangelical types, which, by the way, is one of the legs of the Reagan coalition stool, you know, one of, they love what Robinson is throwing down. Love it. And then Cawthorn, he's got another kind of leg of that stool, a lot of the, the libertarian-minded folks. But the Warhawks don't. Warhawks, not crazy about Cawthorn calling Zelensky a thug. Not, not, they don't like that because that's the other leg of the coalition. So 
they're different people, they're different candidates, and just because they're popular among different factions for different reasons doesn't mean they become the new future and the faces. But there is an element here that would really, really like Mark Robinson to be the head of the Republican Party, the leader, the face. Absolutely. You know why? Because he automatically inoculates the Republican Party from your stupid, ignorant charges of racism for disagreement. Automatically. You end up looking like a fool, like WRAL did when they put uh, the, the political cartoon out there equating Robinson to a Klansman. You look like an idiot. So there is a benefit. Robinson understands this. Absolutely. The Republican Party wants to be a big party tent for limited government. That's the idea. We'll see if they can pull it off. I don't make any predictions, though, except Winterbull up next. I'll see you tomorrow. Don't break anything while I'm gone.